Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. We're talking about faith working by love. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, this is a quick review if you were not here with us last week. And this is from the New Living, I'm sorry, the Amplified Bible. It states, but God, so rich, did you know God's rich? Very wealthy. Did you know that? But what's he rich in? He's so rich in mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Did you get that? Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful to hear? Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him, For it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Um, thank God that we do have these different translations that really, that says it amplifies it, gives us a little bit more understanding. But notice this, God's intense love for us was the motivating force behind redemption. And redemption is what this book is all about. It's all about redemption. In the Old Testament, what do we see? It being prepared. In the New Testament, we see it being manifested. In the book of Acts, we see it being propagated. In the epistles, we see it being explained. Thank God for the explanation that Jesus gave the Apostle Paul, who wrote more than half of the New Testament to really let us know what we've been redeemed from and how we've been redeemed. But thank God for that. And finally, in the book of Revelation, it's no mystery. It's consummated. Praise God. We win. We've read the back of the book. We win. Isn't that wonderful to know? So we're not going to lose. We're always winners in Christ. Praise God. And death doesn't even have the final say. We've overcome that. Death held the grave. It's been overcome because of Jesus. And so God, satisfying his intense love for you and for me, sent Christ to come to redeem us. That's amazing, isn't it? It's wonderful to think that he would think that highly of any one of us. But he did. Well, in John 16, 27, and this is one of my favorite Bible verses. It says this. For the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me and believe I came out from God. For the Father himself loves you. I was sitting at school at Rainbow Bible Training Center, and I was in the auditorium where Brother Hagin was teaching about the love of God. Teaching from his book, I believe it was Growing Up Spiritually, about the love that God really has for each and every one of us. 
And as I was sitting there, these things that happen to you spiritually, supernaturally, they're sometimes very difficult to communicate because they're supernatural, I guess. Right? And so I'm sitting there, and he begins to speak, and I'm listening to him, and he says, turn to that verse in John 16, 27. And so I open up my Bible to that verse of Scripture, and all of a sudden, it's like as if I'm elevated in the Spirit. It's like I am, my senses are suspended. And I'm just there listening. I hear his voice in the background. But what happens is this verse comes off the page of my Bible. And then a voice I hear within. The Father himself loves you. An overwhelming sense of the presence of God in the manifestation of love. The warmth of his love just ran down my entire being. I could never, ever say God doesn't love me. I may feel like he doesn't love me. I may feel like he's dissatisfied with me and displeased with me and all that. I could never, never, ever say that because that verse declares it. For the Father himself loves me. Do you believe that Jesus came out from God? Then he loves you too. He loves me that much. And then he made it known in a revelatory way. In a tangible way. I can never deny that. Say that with me. The Father himself loves me. Say, my father loves me. Isn't that wonderful to hear? He loves you just the way you are. As a matter of fact, he loved you before you were born, so he's not changing just because you've been born. He loved you no matter what your performance was, because there was no performance before, and even now, it doesn't matter. You can't make him love you less or more based on your performance. He'll never stop loving you the way he loves you right now. And so that's going to be part of it next week. But... He loves us even much more than earthly parents love their children. Think about that. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. We read that last week. It talks about if your son asked of you a loaf of bread. I love the message. It says, would you give him sawdust? Uh, no. What are you going to give him? Bread. Well, then if you being natural evil people compare to God, then how much more will your father in heaven give you? Good things. Much more than an earthly father who really loves his children. Remember, they're limited, but God's not limited. Is going to give you the things that are necessary for you to succeed in life. Now go to uh, the book of uh, James. You know what? Before I even look at that verse. The verse in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 tells us. If you're in Christ, what really matters is not being circumcised or being uncircumcised, but what really matters if you are in Christ is faith working by love. And that's the title. Faith working by love. That's what matters. If that's what matters, what, I would say that this is a priority, wouldn't you say? If that's what really matters, then this is the major, not the minor, thing that we should be studying. So faith works by love. And if I want my faith to work, it's got to work by love, which means I have to have a revelation of God's love for me. Because when I understand his love for me, that makes faith a whole lot easier. But also I've got to understand the operation of faith. How does faith work as well? So in the book of James, chapter 1, look at verses 5 through 8. This is from the King James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive 
Notice the language. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Here, the half-brother of Jesus is really teaching these individuals that were scattered abroad because of persecution that God is not the source of the problem that you're going through in life. He's the problem solver. He is not the problem. And so it's important that we recognize this and realize that if our needs are unmet, then it's not because God is not a giving God. It's not because God hasn't already given us the things that we need to succeed. If our needs are being unmet, it's not God's fault. No, it's probably because we've got to become better receivers of the things that God has given. And you know, when you teach like that, sometimes people get upset. They get offended. You mean it's my responsibility? Are you taking God's sovereignty away from him? Absolutely not. In actuality, I am promoting God's sovereignty because in his sovereignty, he said, look, I'm giving you certain things that I want you to enjoy, but it's up to you to use your faith to receive them. I've made the provision. It's up to you to take what's on the table. If you don't go and take what's on the table, then it's not my fault. It's your fault. My grandmother... Bless her soul. My goodness. I know the secret to her sauce. The secret to her sauce. You know what it was? I watched her one day. She's making sauce. and she, They made great sauce. My parent, my mom, and my aunt, they all got together. Imagine these people. Two o'clock in the morning, they start making sauce and meatballs. And I say, why, mom? Well, you got to get a start on it. You're retired. Where are you going? Well, I had to do the laundry first at one. It's you and dad. There's only two of you. How much laundry can there be? So what happens is they start making this sauce. And one day I'm watching her make this sauce and she's just stirring the salt. And back in the day before, this is before Christ. She smoked the longest cigarettes you ever saw. And the ashes. You know where I'm going, don't you? And the... And the ashes were half, half the cigarette. And I'm watching her, and she's stirring away, and it's just hanging right over the sauce. And one day I... That's the secret pinch. That's the secret ingredient to good Italian sauce. And it took me a while even to think about eating her sauce ever again. But thank God she got redeemed, she got saved, and stopped all that, and... Made the ashless sauce, <laughs> if that's a phrase. Amen. So anyhow, we've got to become better receivers of the things that God has for us. And this is what her, we could say her motto was. One day I had a couple of friends from college come over. And you know, Italians back in the day, we, we lived in a basement. My dad fixed the basement up. You had a kitchen down there, bathroom down there, tummy room down there. Everything was down there. Even a fruit cellar that was down there was all down there. And we all come into the basement and we're sitting there talking. And my mother is just walking around and my grandmother gets up. She comes down. She said, Rosie, where's the food? My mother says, I asked them if they wanted something. She goes, what's the matter with you? She goes to the refrigerator, pulls everything out that you could possibly imagine, puts it on the table, and just spreads the whole table full of food. And she says, if you don't eat it, it's your fault, not mine. 
So Jesus put it on the table. We've got a table set before us in the presence of our enemy. If we don't partake of it, it's not his fault. Can you say amen? amen. If we don't partake of it, it's our fault. Right? Look at these verses before I really get into this. Look at, look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it goes on to say, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can you pull the next verse up? Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Should be Second Peter. What's in your notes? Okay, I, there you go. No problem, thank you. According as his divine power has given, everybody say given, given. has given, has given, has given is past tense. He has given us a few things that pertain, what? What has he given us? All things that pertain to life and godliness to the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. So in other words, he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Can you imagine that spectrum? Everything that pertains to life, everything that pertains to godliness, he has given us. We're not trying to get it because he has given it to us already. Can you say amen? Isn't that what it says? Look at the next verse in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he did what? What did he do? He gave us his only begotten son. So remember what James said. James said he gives to all men liberally, bountifully, abundantly. He has given us all things that pertain to life and God. He has given us Jesus, his son. Okay, look at Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely what? Give us a few things? All things. all things. So what's the point he's making? He says, if he gave us Jesus, then in Christ he gives us all things. So what is it? Is it better for God or greater for God to give us things or Jesus? It's Jesus who in him we've been given all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Amen. And then in Luke's gospel chapter 12, look at this verse. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Has he given us the kingdom? He sure has. Then look at the next one. Look in uh, John 14, 16. And we should never take this lightly. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Back in the Old Testament, they couldn't have the comforter. But you and I, we got the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and stand by the paraclete. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And look at the next one. In uh, Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power. Let that really just register with us. What's he given us? Power. power authority. To tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power not some of the power, but all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. 
If you've heard about it, the last three days, the 11th, 12th, and 13th today, the finishing today in Arizona, these Satan worshipers are gathering together in mass, having their time of fasting, praying, and going against the governments, etc., etc. You know, some Christians hear that and they get afraid. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. All the power. Have we been given power over all the power of the enemy? What are the rest of you? What do you think? Have we? Do we have it now? Are we trying to get it? Do we have it now? Yeah, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we've got power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Is that something that he's just teasing us with or does he really mean that? Does Jesus have a name above every other name? Do we have a right to use that name? Has he given us the power of attorney to use that name? Do we have the legal authority to use that name? The devil's sunk. Right? Because this name is above every name and he's got a bow to it. We just need to know that. So it's not that he hasn't given us this. Have we learned how to use it? Now, I said something last week that really the Lord's laid on my heart to really emphasize and that is where I come from my background and that's called the word of faith but if you go on Google and you do a search called the word of faith look out you're gonna get tomatoes thrown in your face you're gonna be called a heretic and all that and but let me just say this in advance there was hyper faith just as there was hyper grace no matter what the doctrine is, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. One on that side and one on that side. But that doesn't mean there's not a straight and narrow. Right? Absolutely. And when I first came into this walk and I began to understand how to operate these principles, all of a sudden, you're now a heretic because you're associating with these people called the word of faith. Well, I got, a, I got some news for you. Let's read Romans 10 verses 8 through 10 together. Okay, because if you could do a Google search, trust me, about what people think about the word of faith movement. Oh, my goodness. Look out. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Paul was a word of faith preacher. Wasn't he? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's verse 13. Notice what he's teaching and who taught him? Jesus did. The word of faith involves the heart and the mouth of the believer. And, yes, yeah, someone could take that to an extreme and call it hyperfaith. But does that mean it's not legitimate? Does that mean it doesn't work? No. No. As a matter of fact, when Jesus himself taught faith, you know what he said? If you had faith as the grain of mustard seed, you would say to that mountain, you would say to that sycamine tree, and it would obey you. Is that what he taught? Yes. But when you teach that for some reason, because these people cannot understand the depth of the teaching... They just want to steer people in the wrong direction and make them think that we're not, not, nothing but a bunch of heretics. But you know what? This is deep in my heart, and I'll tell you why. Because when I first came into this, last week I shared with you about my daughter who fell, 
and how if it was not for if it were not for the word of faith, I don't know what condition she'd be in right now, whether she'd be permanently paralyzed or whether she would be dead. But because of what I was taught and the principles I applied, thank God he healed her. But then I'm going to take another step here. It's also true that my older children's mother was unable to bear children as a result of a severe case of endometriosis that was operated on, and it was so severe that the doctors made it very clear, you know, you're not going to have any more children. Now, you ladies know that language. You know that talk about how much surgical procedure takes place when they did, did all this and everything. And so that was very clearly uh, communicated to us to such a degree that we were adopting. We had papers in for adoption. And it was almost four years now since that was told us. When my friend said to me, Jose, every time I say his name, Jose Feliciano, people think I'm talking about the musician who, Feliz Navidad. But it's not the same Jose. I don't even know if he's related. But anyhow, we're working in the mill crane, and he comes in the mill crane, and he was a seasoned believer. He was also in Bible school at that time, and I just got saved. How you doing, my friend, my brother? Doing great. How are you? We're, we're up 30 feet high in the mill crane, putting our mill cranes together, sitting in a cool breeze. It was so hot. And he says to me, how many children do you have? How many, how many I said, one. You're going to have any more? Can't. Why not? Can't because, and I give the story. Oh. All of a sudden, he gets a toot to go get, you know, get a lift he had to uh, do. And he says, uh, brother, read Psalm 128. Okay. Read Psalm 128. Well, you can read this later for yourself, but it says, if you love God and you serve God, happy and blessed are you. I smiled from ear to ear. That's me. And your wife shall be as a fruitful vine planted by the sides of your house and your children around your table like olive plants. That's not me. And that's not me. Whoa. Lord. Listen to this. No one told me to do this. I lied about you. I lied about you. Hit me right here in the heart. I lied about you. I told people, you don't want me to have any more children. That's why I'm adopting. That makes no sense, does it? That's why I'm adopting, because you say you don't have any more children. It's crazy. But anyhow, that's how you think. That's the human mind. Um, I said, I lied about you. My knees hit that graphite-filled crane cab with all the dirt. I looked like a raccoon with the goggles on and all the graphite. I'm, I'm wondering. He thought maybe he looked at me like that. But I said, I'm sorry. I misrepresented you. I told a number of people that you don't want me to have children. You know, that could have been the story for the rest of my life. I said, but I just read this right here. You said my wife will be a fruitful vine planted by the side of my house and my children around my table like olive plants. See, I didn't know that. I said, please forgive me. I repent. I'm so sorry for misrepresenting you. 
I know the truth now. That was the night shift. I went home. Woke her up. Opened the Bible. You see this right here? Psalm 128. You see what it says right there? You are a fruitful vine planted by the side of our house. Our children run about our table like all plants. What do you think? She said, well, if it says it, I believe it. I said, well, it says it, I believe it. And now I curse it endometriosis in the name of Jesus Christ and command it to dry it by the root and leave your body. And I say, now you are a joyful mother of children in the name of Jesus. I, no one told me to do that. It just came up out of my spirit. And two weeks later, she was pregnant with my oldest son. And then when the next one came, I was about to pull my hair out. <laughs> How do you stop it now? Got it started again. How do you stop it? You get the point? Now, these people that go against word of faith, they want to say, you can't talk like that. No. You're too late. You can't say, like, what you want, really? I'm not saying what I want. I'm saying what God said. Amen. God said my wife would be like a fruitful vine planted by the side of my house, and my children, plural, would be like all of, uh, children, all the plants right about my table. So I declare it. In two weeks, she was pregnant. And then we went off to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where BJ was born. Well, look at this next verse of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Let's look, read these three. NIV version for the one. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Are you an inheritor of salvation? Amen. Are you saved? Yes. Do you have this inheritance? Yes. And then what are ministering spirits sent for? To serve those who will inherit salvation. Have you inherited salvation? Yes. Okay, look at the next verse. Bless the Lord, his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. Angels hearken to the voice of God's word, don't they? Is that what it says? Yeah. L let me ask this question. Can you hear anything if I put this close to my microphone? Mm -mm. But can you hear this? Thank God I'm born of the Spirit, washed in the blood and air of God, a joint heir with Jesus, made more than a conqueror, and by His stripes I was healed. Amen. Can you hear that? Yes. You think angels can hear that? Yes. Look at the next one in the book of Daniel, in case you don't think that's right. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. This is Gabriel. Thy words were heard. And I am come for your Words. Do you see that? Whose words did he come for? Daniel's. I've come for your words. It goes on to say, but the prince of Persia stopped me, and Michael came along and bailed me out, and I came down here to deliver the message to you, because I've come for your words. So you put that all together. Here I am sitting in class at Rama Bible Training Center, and we're being taught on the subject of angelic beings and their ministry. And so, this whole intense study about angels and their ministry is being delivered to me. And I'm getting this revelation, which is all line upon line, precept upon precept. And what I get is this. As believers, we have the right to ask God to release His angels or even to commission our angels because they serve believers 
to go forth and do our bidding. Because they've been sent to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. Okay. So, I'm, I'm really being taught this, and there's so much that's going into it. It's a nice setting to be in that all you're doing all day long is hearing the word of God. So one day I get up to go to work in the morning. I'm going to go to school in the morning. And as I'm walking out my apartment building to complex down to where the car is parked, I notice my driver's side car is ajar. And you know how when this goes through your head, uh-oh, what happened here? So it's true. I go in, open up the car door. I had a, a bunch of teaching tapes. Maybe, I think one was uh, Raymond Praise or something like that. Um, Raymond Singers and Band, you know, they had a, a, back then a cassette, I guess. Anybody know what a cassette is here? Some of you do. Okay. Anyhow, they were all cassettes, teaching tapes and, and all that. That was the majority of them. And sure enough, every one of them was gone. Completely gone. So, in frustration, I'm thinking, I forgot to lock the door last night. I think I did. Anyhow, they probably could break in, whatever. But I turn around. I'm going, walking back to the apartment to go back in and say what happened. And all of a sudden, I could hit a brick wall. And it all rushed. It all came into me. I don't know if people actually heard me in the complex because there's a lot of, you know, apartments that are there. And I stand there and I go, no, those are my teaching tapes, nobody else's. Now, Lord, if they get saved by them, great. But angels, I loose you to go and bring them back for me because I'm an heir of salvation. I turn right around, get back in my car, go off to school. After school, I go to work. I come home from work. It's like it's in the evening time. It's about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. All of a sudden, I get a knock on the door. <laughs> I open up the door. It's, it's, it's kind of misting, you know, rainy. I open up the door, and this person is standing there with all my tapes like this. These belong to you? Yeah. I forgot it. Even at that time, I, I forgot what I did. But yeah, they belong to me. Here. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Someone stole something from you and someone just came along the next night and just brought them all to your house and said these. I'm standing there with my mouth open, almost stunned, thinking that, was that a human being or was that an angel? Right? Wow. Do I know him? No, never saw him before in my life. How did they know who I was and where I lived? It wasn't on any of those tapes, those cassettes. I didn't have anything like that. And he left. I looked at them all. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Every one of them brought back. And then, you know, once again, I've taught this before, and I get criticized from people. Who do you think you are that you can release an angel? I'm an heir of God and join there with Jesus. One day I'm going to judge the angels. What about you? Isn't that what the Bible says? Aren't you going to judge angels one day? You know, that's biblical. You understand that. So anyhow, learning these concepts, learning these principles, 
the, the um, mainline church have never been taught this. They don't teach it, don't understand it, because you, you get this revelation, now all of a sudden you're a heretic. Well, if this is being a heretic, whew, I got children, my daughter's life was spared, got all my cassettes back, and then I come back here, move here to Midland, and I was still teaching in my father's basement at that time when I first took over the church here, and I'm sure you could recognize this. It was a Saturday evening, and we were ready for the Bible study. Um, I was going to leave my house later in the evening, it was in the afternoon, to drive up to Youngstown and, and preach the message. When one of our wonderful snowstorms snow comes, and I mean, it's like what we've recently had, I don't know how many inches we got, but it was a constant thing. It was so bad, if you can understand where Midland's at, you know where 168 goes up the hill, forget that. There was no way I could make it up the hill. I'm going to go down a little bit further to Calcutta Smith's Ferry Road Hill and forget that. That's even probably as bad, if not worse. So as I then proceed to go further down towards East Liverpool, I say, hmm, okay, Lord. I don't want to cancel the Bible study, but it's getting treacherous out here. It's really bad. Angels of God, Father, I ask you to loose your angels to minister for me because I am an heir of salvation. Get me safely there and safely back so we can do this. So I go, I go down to Route 11 out of East Liverpool. It's maybe more of a gradual hill, but it's still a good-sized hill. You know that if you've been, been down that road. And there I go. I mean, it's bad. There's ditches, there's cars in the ditches on the one side, some are even on the left side near the medium, all the way up. But for some reason, my car just went straight all the way up, all the way to 224, a longer way to go, but still, there was a better way to go as far as I was concerned. And I made it over to my parents' house. And we had our deal. You know, we had our meeting and all that, and everything was wonderful. And we're just uh, rejoicing in the Lord. Had our little celebration afterwards, like we had, you know, sandwiches and all that. Now it's getting about 11.30 at night. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to come back. The snow has not stopped. It is still snowing like you couldn't believe. You couldn't even see through it. That's how bad it was. So I go back the same way. I get back on Route 11 thinking that's the better way to go. I'm not going to try to navigate these steep hills. I'll just go the longer way, but it's a safer way. When I hit... 224 and 11 to come down, Route 11. It's so bad, the, snakes, the, the, the snowflakes are so big and so, so bad that you can hardly see about a few feet in front of your car. So now I'm driving down the middle of Route 11, and I've got no way to see where this side of the road ends, this side of the road. You couldn't see anything. So I stay in the middle probably driving down the middle, made my own lane, I guess. But, but nobody, else, nobody else was on the road. I should say nobody else was crazy. But nobody else was on the road. And I found out that they shut down the road after this because it was so bad. So I'm driving down the middle of the road about 30 miles an hour, 35 miles an hour, just straight down the middle of the road. You can see a light over here. There's an exit over here, whatever, just a straight. When I get down to Calcutta, near Calcutta in East Liverpool area there, I just shout, I'm going to kill him. Some 
one was standing in the middle of a highway, Route 11, in a snowstorm, dressed with a scarf around his neck, big, tall person, hat on, one hand on the front of my car, and the other hand going like this. And I drove right through him. Now, you know, in a natural, what do you do? Maybe panic for a moment. I actually checked the news and see if somebody got killed on Route 11 <laughs> near East Liverpool and Calcutta. But you see, after I drove right through him, it rose up in my spirit. He gives his angels charge over you, keep you in all your ways. They'll bear, they'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. They hearken to the voice of his word. So, by what they call heresy, not only did I experience these kinds of miracles really on a regular basis, you know, and I had proven all things that these things are biblical. Until I start hearing all the negativity that people have out there, because what happens is this. Someone else tries it because someone else said to do it. And what happens when that happens? They fail. And the reason why they fell, because it wasn't them. It wasn't in them. They're just echoing somebody else. They're parroting somebody else. They're doing what somebody else did. Well, it didn't work for me. How do you explain that? Oh, so God now is lying? He's not a liar. I've lived my life this way. If I acted on the principle of God's word and it didn't work, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. I'm capable of failure. He's not. I'm, he's infinite, I'm a finite being, right? I can't blame him for something that he doesn't do. Well, let me take it a step further. If someone you know doesn't get saved, is it God's fault? Didn't he do enough? Didn't he do enough to get him saved? Well, he did enough to get him saved, but is this his fault? Does he have to do something more to get them saved? No, it's not God's fault. So the thing is, we must be taught the word of God, which is the word of faith. And then we've got to embrace it and we've got to believe it and we've got to act upon it. Just as Jesus said, why be a hearer if you're not going to be a doer of the word of God? And so in these scriptures, what does it tell us? In James 1, 5, let's look at that one again. God is a giving God. If any man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and it shall be given him. It shall be given him. God is a giving God who gives to all men, and he has given us all things to enjoy, every single one of us. First Timothy 6.17, he's given us richly all things to enjoy. It's been given, but it's up to me to receive it. It's up to me to activate it. It's up to me, for example, to use our authority, he said, I give you authority, whether it's to release angels or stand against devils and demons. Let's forget the rest of the scriptures. I'll close with this. Maybe next week. Maybe. I'm telling you, I just went online before I came in here to see all the negativity when it comes to the word of faith. Why? Because they call it hyper faith when people have made it that because people have misused it. For example, when I was at school, at Bible school, you know what I had someone tell me? Man, if we had the faith, we'd never have to work again a day in our life. 
I said, but the Bible says if man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Did you ever read that one? Oh, he didn't. You think if you could get your faith to a place that you could do what you want to do? So if you interpret what Mark eleven twenty three really says, speak to your mountain, or 24, believe you receive. If you interpret that way, people were saying like this, I'll never have to work a day again in my life. That's not what the Bible said. No, I believe I got 100 million um, oil wells. No, you don't. See me driving my Cadillac? No, it's a Herbie. It's a Herbie. Uh-huh, I saw it. I don't see it being a Herbie. I see it being a Cadillac. Well, I'm glad if you ask God for a Cadillac, if you believe you receive a Cadillac, and that's where you put your faith in. Look, it's not the health and wealth gospel like they say. That's not what it is. People have made it that, and some even pastors and leaders have made it that, but that's not what it is. Our faith is not so that we can get wealthy and, and all that. The main purpose of our faith is to know God and to walk with God and experience God every day of our lives. And along with that will come, He'll bless your bread, He'll bless your water, He'll bless you coming in, He'll bless you going out. But God wants us to use our authority and use our faith to receive what He's already given us. The problem is we keep saying, God, he's not giving it to me, not giving it to me. No, he's already given it. Let's use our faith to receive it. So let me close with this testimony. And it kind of connects with faith and love. And next week, maybe, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I'm going to do it today. Anyhow, this goes back. Here I am on Fairview Road, 168, coming home from another Bible, same Bible study, but another day, a nice day, no snow. And when I get to right, right before the hill, Midland Hill, when it come, comes down the Midland Hill, I see someone on the ground lying there. And so I pull my car over, and another car coming the other way also pulls over, and we both go over to this guy, and he's got blood pouring out of his head and all that. And so we call an ambulance and the ambulance comes, but the guy doesn't want to go. So I tell him, well, we'll take you to your house. He lived close by. We'll take you to your house. You don't want to go? He's refusing to go? Okay. Took him to his house, and I preached to him the gospel. We got him cleaned up, gave him the message of God's word, and just demonstrated love for him. Well, my son Jason at the time, you know, he, he was just... Real young. Real young. In his mother's arms. And it took about 40 minutes. You know, you're sitting out there in a car, and I'm in there ministering to this fellow who is hurt badly, and sharing the gospel, getting him cleaned up, and led him to a sinner's prayer and, and all that. And then I, I get back into the car, and, and she says, he's burning up now. See, he wasn't burning up when I went in there. Well, he's burning up. Burning up with fever. I said, oh. So I collect myself. I live two minutes, three minutes away from there. Get into the driveway. Uh, um, no driveway, on a curb, the street. And carry the kids in the house. I take him, put him in, in the crib where he's at. And the other ones in the other rooms. So now I'm ready to go and I'm going to pray for him. So I turn myself to go into his bedroom. I start walking toward where he's at. And I hit a brick wall. So you can't explain these things. You can't share these things. I hit a brick wall. Stop me just like that. 
Now I know how we're going to know as we are known because I knew exactly instantly what to do at that moment. And here's what I heard. Loud, authoritative voice in my spirit said this. You demonstrated love for someone else. I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. And when I heard those words, I looked at my son. And I said, come out of him now in the name of Jesus Christ. A black-like, bird-like figure, I watched fly off the top of his head out the window. He was laboring and breathing before this. And all of a sudden, perfect calm. I touched his forehead, no longer a fever. While I was in there ministering for the Lord and to this person, an evil spirit came to attack my son with a fever. You see how the devil works? Mm -hmm. But the moment that came to me at that moment, I'm glad I didn't fall for these people that say, you can't cast out a devil today. It's done. It's done away with this. It's called cessationism. Well, no, wait a minute. You're too late for that too. Mm -hmm. Because I did. And he left. And he was gone. And he was instantly healed. Instantly healed. Just like that. You see, if it were not for these revelations and these truths in God's word, I don't know where. I, my daughter could have been dead. As a matter of fact, I can't even get into it right now. It take, take too long because there's another story about her still alive today for another reason. Maybe next week. I'm not sure. Let's all stand together before the Lord.